risk to privacy by having remote ID isn't outweighed by the risk of actually being able to prosecute people. So it's a higher risk to privacy by having remote ID than it is not having remote ID. And Karen can grab her cell phone, point at the drone and says, oh yeah, that's Steve's drone, he's flying around over there. Steve's okay, I know Steve. And if it's not Steve, or someone she knows, or someone she thinks shouldn't be there, there's a big button that says report. All right, welcome to episode 14 of the FPV podcast. Today, we've got a guest on who actually just knows his shit about the drone industry as a whole, knows regulations, remote ID even came up as a topic, and is also very much so clued up on what is next for the drone industry, both within New Zealand and also globally. So by the end of this episode, you're going to be hopefully geared up enough to be able to take a stand against the bad press and things that we're getting and also genuinely help steer the public's perspective on drones as a whole towards a good future for everybody. So enjoy and I do hope that you learn something. No, I'm not Joshua Bardwell. I just hope you learn something. God damn it. We've got some interesting topics to cover today and stuff that we haven't touched on pretty much at all on this podcast. And yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting different take on the drone industry and fpv and whatnot all today so to start us off what do you do within the drone industry uh everything <laughs> love it <laughs> uh, I, I wear many hats it's a bit of an ongoing joke so i'm the president of model flying new zealand which is like the recreational body we've got a bunch of people flying fpv under it um i sit as the deputy chair of uav and z which is a commercial uav lobby group i guess you'd call it um, as well as that, I run my little company, Jackson Armand Aerospace Limited, which has been around for about eight years now doing UAV certification work. Um, I've been flying drones for about 15 years since before they were actually a thing. Um, and it was much easier back then. Much easier. Yeah, I can imagine. Were you building the drones from scratch then? Is that the sort of... Yeah, pre-Phantom 1 days. Like, wow. Like when the Phantom 1 came out, it was this commercial drone that's actually viable. It was complete garbage, but it was viable. <laughs> well the phantom one you had to put the gopro on right yes yeah yeah wow all right the, the good old days of starting off with you know aerial photography with gopros on strapped on them was bloody uh something something completely different to where we're sitting at now <laughs> the gopro one was pretty amazing at the time <laughs> you look at it now and it's a total potato but yeah that's where we started yeah started started off strong and so you mentioned just before this podcast started too that you're into fpv um like a while back so what sort of when did you get started into fpv 2013 2014 um which uh, would have been like we were playing with kk2 boards probably way before your time yeah no definitely <laughs> no idea what that is <laughs> <laughs> you can adjust the little lcd screen on the top of it and you can tweak the pids on the screen it was actually pretty cool because you could up the p value and go from there um, thank you and then the nays 32 came out which was the first of the 32-bit flight controllers and that's when mini quads sort of took off Speaking. gotcha good pun then um and it exploded sort of 2014 2015 ish in the news a few times that sort of stuff good drone stories um, yeah it was massive for a long time it sort of faded off and it looks like it's getting a bit of a resurgence now yeah uh, it's no, funny it it definitely is <laughs> we were looking at the race footage um from, if you look at the race footage from six years ago everyone's slow and bouncing around the sky and everything's poorly tuned and you compare it now and it's like watching everything and fast forward it's incredible <laughs> it's it's honestly wild there's some people that i look at uh, in a lot of races actually like they don't even have to be the the best of the best as such they just have to be good and i simply my brain just simply cannot keep up with the speed and like the the rate that they just turn like corners and orbiting things i'm just like 
there's no chance this is real-time processing in their brains. Like, this is, has to be yeah. such an automated motion, you know? It's insane. 2014, we were happy just to get to two gates in a row. <laughs> hey, 2023, I'm still happy to do that, you know? <laughs> um, did you end up going to any, like, races and stuff like that? Yeah, I went to the uh, Drone Worlds in 2016 in Hawaii that was run by, uh, what was it, the Drone... I forgot the name of the company. They're long defunct now. It was an awesome experience, but a complete mess. Um, right. It was, <laughs> it was set up in the valley where they filmed for Jurassic Park. Um, oh, wow. Was, okay. GoPro was sponsoring it. I think it was a million-dollar prize as well. Um, but, yeah, it was a complete and utter mess. It was so poorly organized. It was nearly a revolt. Yeah. It was, yeah. <laughs> okay. That's not, what, that's not what you hope for when you're in the middle of Hawaii and, like, you know, film set area and... GoPro yeah. sponsor and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. That's you cool. the, the usual people like Alex Greaves might be crazy and a uh, whole bunch of the guys from Rotor Riot walking around. That's probably before Rotor Riot, actually, whatever existed before that. Um, wow. No, just all, the, all the OGs now. just chilling. Yeah, yeah heck yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, you're, 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 you've been in the hobby for, yeah, pretty much since, um, I don't know about necessarily when the beginnings of FPV were and whatnot, but it sounds about around that time that sort of when people were building drones and i mean like so when you were building your drones and stuff were you were you using like the Wii controllers and like those sorts of things to Wii controllers were around when i started but it was the kk2 board that was really the first you didn't have to solder it together yourself and pull apart nintendo Wii's. <laughs> gotcha right okay so that was like sort of the that was that was what people went to from the yeah. Wii controllers into with Wii controllers and the KK2 is just put it on the board and you press the buttons and turn the pads yeah <laughs> yeah no that's that's the way that I'd probably end up trying to do it I don't think I'd even there's not there's no part of me that would be like ah Wii controller turn into drone logic yeah, like yeah. that just doesn't work for my brain at all but <laughs> yeah. that's cool Thank to you. know that you've got some history with an FPV and and are you sort of still flying FPV to the day or not so much anymore? wings and that sort of stuff um so you can probably see some up there. there's a few FPV race wings and that sort of thing uh, yeah. I've got a few mini quads just for tooling around but yeah that's pretty much it what sort of moved you to flying fixed wings quite a bit more I originally started off flying model aircraft years ago um right I actually don't know why but yeah just it's the natural thing of the hobby. You're like, oh, this is interesting. Then you get bored of it and you go, this is interesting. I'm sure yeah. in five years' time, something cool will come out of mini quads and I'll get back to them. Yeah, no, natural. that's a fair point. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm in that little process. I mean, I haven't ever had a, a little a mini quad, a little tiny whoop or anything at all until literally, I think, like two weeks ago or three weeks ago, I got my first one. And it's just insanely, like a completely different type of flying you're going from like you know the five inches the main cine whoops and whatnot and then now there's like this tiny little thing that you can just fly full speed at your face or whatever and it doesn't hurt it's great like, you know, like <laughs> there's there's a lot of fun that goes with it so i'm definitely on the same page as you that that it comes in its waves and yeah little ups and downs and whatnot yeah what's that so it gets stagnant otherwise so sometimes like yeah. i'll do six months and i'll just be super hyper focused on gliders and then yeah. saying, this is boring and i'll go play with Vital quad planes or something like that and yeah yes yeah. the nature of it <laughs> heck yeah yeah absolutely absolutely um i would be pretty keen on moving into i'm going to say probably your sort of expertise side of things i've been told 
that you, Chris, are the guy to talk to in regards. And I've even seen some of the comments on Facebook and like, you know, the, I, I can't remember, I think Ron mentioned like, you know, you for, you know, drone pressing or something like that. But there was some comment that was awesome on there. <laughs> Um, I think it's just, oh, I should become a lawyer. I don't know about oh, that. Oh, you should become a lawyer. That's what it was. Yes, yes, absolutely. You should. And then you can go on to the Seven Sharp story that I saw and that I'm sure that you're very well aware of. And I'm definitely interested in sort of touching on it. And do you mind going through what some of your thoughts are on, or, or necessarily what, yeah, what some of your thoughts are on how drones are portrayed within New Zealand right now? and sort of where they're sitting with media and public and whatnot. That's quite, that's a very broad question, but. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't think this is a new problem. Um, I suspect the, the problem's probably existed for seven or eight years now, um, since when we first got the commercial drones, Phantom Ones, um, right. and that was really accessible. Um, prior to that, then when it was just a few of us out there flying drones around commercially um, and recreationally to be fair as well, we weren't as, visible um, mm. and the access point was quite a bit higher um, so to go fly a drone around in 2014 or 2013 you made it yourself and so you had to have some level of common sense um, to get there to actually build this like and fly it to start with. Yeah. Um, the problem we've got now is that they're so prolific you can go to Harvey Norman and buy a drone uh, and then just go fly it that everyone sees that and it's way more visible and human beings are paranoid and ignorant <laughs> so uh, and the media loves that because they it, that sort of stuff generates clicks, and so they put bad media, bad news stories into the media about drones spying on people. Ninety-nine percent of it is complete nonsense, but it snowballs. They get more clicks. They think this works. We'll get some more clicks. We'll put some more bad news stories out. And now we're at the point we are today. Um, the the big problem New Zealand's got, why it's worse here than the rest of the world probably, is our regulations were not well thought out. Right. So. Prior to 2015, you could fly with someone's property and no, it was completely legal. To, there's, you didn't need permission. In 2015, or sorry, 2014, when they wrote the rules that came out in 2015, they was a big meeting in Wellington and they were bouncing around ideas about what we should have in these new rules. And one of the ideas was, if you got permission from a property owner to fly over their property, their property owner would give you a briefing on the hazards of flying over their property. And they right. thought, that's a good idea. And then it became a rule. And so I think it was August the 1st, 2015, these new rules rolled in and everyone went, oh my God, I can now control the airspace above my house. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, yes. Right. And the wheels completely fell off. Um, unfortunately, the CAA aren't resourced enough and aren't proactive enough to actually go out there and educate the public about what the intent of the rule is. Um, yeah. And as well as that, we've got part 102, which uh, are you familiar with how part 102 and part 101 work? Absolutely, but do you want to maybe go through it just for the people that don't don't really know yeah. how it works? So part 101 is how the general public would perceive rules. Part 101 is prescriptive rules. If you do this, you do not do that. You keep your drone within line of sight, that sort of stuff. Um, stay below 400 feet. Part 102 is risk-based. So you make your own rules up. You write those rules in a document. You take that document to the CAA and the CAA argue around about it for a few months and say, this is probably safe, and they give you a certificate to go do that. So you can do whatever you want, provided you can prove it's safe. Gotcha. And that's also so, comes at a pretty significant cost too, from what I understand, to go, yeah. well, not necessarily significant in terms of 
if you're doing it commercially and whatnot but if you're looking at it from you know a general a general standpoint it can it can be pretty pricey just to apply oh, yeah. for a license on that side of things yeah so yeah the average exposition or the manual that's got all these rules in it that you've written uh two to three thousand dollars and you're probably looking about three thousand dollars in processing costs through the CAA and about an 18 month wait now as well so it's not fast and it's not cheap um and it's also not easy to comply with as well it's much easier working to 101 you've got less burden on you in terms of what you've got to do yeah completely understand that so out of uh, an interest point here what do you think that sort of us as drone pilots and the people that do understand the uses of drones and why they're being used and we'll, we'll touch on that in a second as well but what do you think that we can do to sort of i guess help not necessarily mitigate these like the, this bad press and the the things that are all like consistently against us that aren't necessarily true on that fact either what do you think we can do that's gonna help to i guess mend and repair the relationship that the, the the public have with drones or is there any way that you can see right now yeah sorry the dog walking past is visiting um absolutely <laughs> the best thing we can do is get good media stories and the only other thing that there is out there is time it'll just take time mm. for it to, the drones to be more socially acceptable um to some degree new zealand's a bit of a backwater in this sense like around the majority of the rest of the world you see a drone flying around people don't throw sticks at it um whereas new zealand's a little bit different <laughs> yeah absolutely um, is yeah do whatever you can do to get good media stories um the problem with that is the media don't like good good drone stories because it doesn't generate as many clicks um and then it's just going to be time having the regulator caa step up and actually get into the public forum and talk about the rules and how they work would make a massive difference um, but that's not going to happen anytime soon, unfortunately. Yes. The problem is, is like with, especially with the FPV guys, is your average Karen doesn't know the difference between a Mavic and a race squad. It's the same thing. Um, yeah. Everyone's spying on you. <laughs> it's such an insane perspective as well. Like just to even, I guess, for me to even consider. I, I think that's probably from a point of I'm a videographer, so. I, you know, I, I know exactly what I use drones for and probably what the majority of people also use drones for either filming or just having fun. And then like, it's, it's amazing. Like, do you think these, these thoughts of like, goddamn, I read the comments on the seven sharp little <laughs> like snippet. I think there's, there's not like either these are the 1.9 or 19,000 comments. I'm not entirely sure, but there are a lot of comments on there. And I just like, I got into a bit of a rabbit hole reading through them. I had to stop myself, but like there are there are so many people on there that are that are of the thought that drones are like literally only there to you know assist with burglaries, to spy on me, you know, like oh we've got them flying over our farms to rob us of our quads and stuff like that. And I think I even saw a great comment from you as well, where it was like. Uh, somebody talked about something, someone stealing something in Christchurch, something, and you're like, oh, yeah, they stole my, they stole my baby, or something like that. <laughs> like, you know, drone stole my child, or something. And I was like, just, it's amazing that there's, there's this level of, I don't even know what the word is, but I guess backlash against drones to, 
there's like when when do I even see when do you even see stories of these things happen happening like burglaries and whatnot? Like I can't even think of a time when I've seen them, right? This the, you do get media stories about them, but the, there's never any evidence. There's always massive holes in their story. Like um, mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, there was a couple of um, social media influencers uh, in their house on the North Shore in their spa pool, and um, they made this big song and dance about a drone spying on them in their spa pool, and then they got on the front of the uh, media wearing their bikinis. It was <coughs> complete nonsense. Um, it was just to, and then at the bottom, she's got an Instagram link. <laughs> it's just absolute absolute ploy yeah. Yeah, yeah. so they're also using the system and like feeding on people's ignorance mm. i'm sure there are bad actors out there doing dumb stuff but yeah the general sure. population are just ignorant um yeah. as you're well aware like if you're flying even through like a mavic your death perception is well your, de- your field of view is this much to actually be able to spy on someone you've got to be so close to them they can like slap it out of the air themselves it's nonsense. If you want to spy on your neighbor, use your cell phone on a stick. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? And and there's also the points that I was sort of considering as well of, you know, we've got satellite imagery and that's sort of like an outer sight, outer mind side of things. And then you've also got people that have long ass telephoto lenses on their perfectly amazing cameras that are significantly quieter and more hidden than something of a drone but i mean without trying to take too much of a negative stance on it because it can be pretty easy to go into a deep rabbit hole of you know talking about the the things that are really frustrating about it because it does frustrate us as pilots and it can make our job really difficult what are some of the things that drones are used for in new zealand like what are, what are some of the industries and stuff i mean i know there are a lot but what would you say what would you class as some of the big main i guess you call them working class industries um the biggest thing uh the, the largest user is arguably surveyors um because it's an awesome tool for doing getting a doing photogrammetry and getting a 3d model of an area that's being surveyed um Asset inspection, roofing inspections. There's a lot of agricultural aircraft out there now doing spray work. Um, there's always the real estate agent photographers. I try and avoid them like the plague, but um, they are out there. Yeah, there's thousands and thousands of uses, which is completely viable and um, also involve flying over people's property. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, absolutely. I think it was um, after uh, Wanganui got flooded. There's sewage all over Wanganui. There's a massive flood there. Um, we flew a drone over mapped entirety of Wanganui. Um, no one knew we were even there. And that was with a it was a ten kilo drone at the time. Yeah, the reality is, if it wasn't in the media, no one would know. <laughs> like, yeah, that's that's the thing, right? And I mean, do you see there being like a future, a positive future for New Zealand with drones? Is that something that you see happening? Or do you think there'll sort of always be that fight back against them? We need a big change from the regulator. The reality is, is we are getting left behind as a country because of our our laws um, and the, re- the regulations, I should say. Like our Part 101 regulations and even under 102, what the CA allow and won't allow is lagging behind by a large amount, like five, 10 years now, um, wow. which is an eternity in drone regulation. Um, 
there's very little appetite at the CIA and at government to fix the system as well. So what we're seeing is that it's easier to just go break the rules than it is to comply with them because the rules are onerous, they're not well thought out and arguably not very viable. Whereas if you just apply common sense and go fly, it's much easier and the chances of getting prosecuted are low. And saying that, it does happen. So we've kind of got a system that inspires people to not follow the rules, which is not a good state to be in. It's a very backwards place to be. And I guess, what do you sort of see being, what do you see happening globally that is like a positive thing for drones <laughs> and stuff like that? <laughs> Like, a tricky one. There's heaps of negative stuff going on. Like I'm sure you're aware yes. of the remote ID nonsense, all that sort of stuff. Exactly. Um, That's a massive, a massive big negative. <clears throat> like every every drone pilot, well, a lot of drone pilots that I see right now, especially within the FPV community, are very much so anti remote ID. And I mean, like I'm not 100% clued up on it, but the thought that you know we've got all of this stuff of hundreds of fpv pilots now being like oh you know this sucks this is stupid like we shouldn't have to do this i'm not going to follow the rules and whatnot it's not putting a good look out there for pilots like ourselves who <clears throat> you know do try our best to follow rules and whatnot and having all of this stuff going out so i was just do you see there anything being like actually positive that's happening out there In the regulatory front, not really. It's We've got a lot of people lobbying governments and regulators around the world um, that don't know what they're doing and have ulterior motives. Um, in saying that, I think what will happen is we'll get a whole bunch of non-compliance and things will go underground. Like even myself personally, um, I'm a prime person by a number of organizations. I have relatively good standing with the CAA. I wouldn't put remote ID on any of my aircraft. I'd just say, no, this is ridiculous. Um, right. Model Fly New Zealand is the recreational organization that looks after model aircraft in New Zealand, essentially, including FPV quads, I should say. Um, I wrote their latest version of their 102 document. So Model Fly New Zealand's a 102 operator. Uh, yeah. And at the very top of the document, it says you do not have to be registered and fly into New Zealand, fly New Zealand's 102. So Model Fly New Zealand members won't have to put registration or remote ID on the aircraft simply by being a member. Um, gotcha. I'm, yeah. The system is broken and that sort of stuff is coming to New Zealand, unfortunately. Um, what is, um, are, you, are you able to, are you clued up on like remote ID and, and sort of what that is? Yeah, to, um, not on the intricacies of how it works, but yeah, the concept for sure. Are, are you able to go through the concept a little bit of what remote ID is so, and sort of potentially what some of the, the positives maybe or some of the negatives might be as well, if any positives or, you know. <laughs> The way the regulator likes to spin it is remote ID is like a digital license plate. Um, reality is it's not the same as digital license plate because your license plate doesn't have your home address, your phone number, your name, etc. cetera. Um, whereas remote ID, even though it's not supposed to be publicly visible, everyone, it's 2023, everyone, everything gets hacked. Like, <laughs> mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> If we're asking New Zealand's regulator or any government department to keep information safe, they're not going to do it, particularly when it's something that's as prolific and open as drones are, that someone's going to crack it. Um, the basic idea of it is a little transponder that flies around, talks Bluetooth or Wi-Fi, I think there's a few other protocols as well. And Karen, you can get, grab her cell phone, 
point at the drone and says, oh yeah, that's Steve's drone, he's flying around over there. Steve's okay, I know Steve. And if it's not Steve, or someone she knows, or someone she thinks shouldn't be there, there's a big button that says report, and it will go to the police or the CAA or whoever. It's, yeah, wow. it's a brilliant system. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, so I had no, I, so I understood the side of things of it being, you know, having your information not public as such. Um, and, and, you know, that sort of being the thing behind it, but I didn't really understand the point of it being that accessible to anybody in the public to basically not necessarily that the report is going to, you know, always have a, have a consequence for the pilot if they're operating as they should be and whatnot. But the, the thought of like anybody I imagine there's going to be an insane flood of reports that hmm. are unwarranted to the point of, you know, the drone operator has got every right to be there and it's going to happen a significant amount that it moves into probably like you were saying, right? Non-compliance from, um, or even, even not necessarily non-compliance, but just the point of like an overwhelming amount of reports that have no reason to be made report. And then where do we go yeah. from there? <laughs> the system storylines that were out. Like if you look at the drone incident reports in New Zealand without remote ID, it's 95% nonsense. It's things like a drone was flying over my house and it was making my house vibrate. It's, it's crazy people. <laughs> like <laughs> um, There's stuff like um, pilots on approach to Auckland Airport saying one pilot saw a seagull. They said, there's a seagull. And the guy goes, that looks more like a drone than the seagull. And so it becomes a drone incident report. <laughs> so it, it, it's not... It's, I, the last time I looked, is about 700 incident reports and 95% are just nonsense. And some of them are like 5% might be plausible. <laughs> so yeah. And as soon as we've got a big red button that says report, every single Karen on the planet is going to be pressing the button reporting nonsense. Wow. Um, submissions were made on the proposal by MOT over the last three or four years. Uh, one of the most interesting ones was from the Privacy Commission of New Zealand, who said that the risk to privacy by having a remote ID isn't outweighed by the risk of actually being able to prosecute people. So it's a higher risk to privacy by having a remote ID than it is not having a remote ID. So it's... <laughs> Jeepers, right on. Yeah. So it, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't bring anything necessarily great into New Zealand. Is there like talk or is, there, is it in the works that remote ID is coming into New Zealand? 100% it is, yeah. Um, we're currently between ministers of transport. Uh, so uh, if we weren't, I suspect there'd be something in the media right now about it coming. Yeah. Right. Okay. Because it's just being put into over in the US, right? Like it's going in on September or something like that, that it starts yeah, up. Yeah, it's been or... placed in the last few years, I think. So I think it officially came in late last year. Um, then they right. pushed it back because they didn't have any tech from memory. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, that was another thing, actually, was it's like $300 for a, or maybe even more, like just for a remote ID module. So mm -hmm. to, and that's if you're, you know, pre-building your drone, which for FPV pilots, a lot of us are, and they're a lot, you know, we need them for specific use and taking a drone yeah. that, you know, might cost us, I don't know, close to a grand, you know, 800, 900 bucks or whatever, you're now talking another 300 $400 just for a module to yeah, go yeah. on there is like it's kind of half the drone <laughs> yeah. and then you go smash it into a tree or um and then there's stuff like basic model aircraft would have to uh comply with remote id stuff as well and so your basic model aircraft has no flight controller it's 
RC signals in and RC signals out. There's nothing in the way. There's no GPS. So suddenly we've got model aircraft that are going to need GPS receivers, flight controllers with IMUs, um, power for this stuff as well. It's it's completely impractical. It doesn't actually solve any problems. Yeah. It's so do you think there's any, like, is there any way that <clears throat> that we can... I, I, I did ask this earlier, I know you mentioned about time and stuff, but w maybe with remote ID coming in and stuff, what do you think is the best route forward? Is there, can, will there most likely be points that we can like nicely go and be like, no, this isn't right? Or do you think it'll pretty much be, here's the rule, this is happening here, comply, basically, that'll be the point and there's nothing we can do about it. It's too late. <laughs> oh, okay, uh, right, shit. <laughs> so, and even saying that, like the, the consultation by MOT, I think they call it enabling drone uh, integration, has been going on for probably four years now. Um, it's gotcha. gone for a long time. They went around the place, they talked to a whole bunch of people, including myself, ignored everyone, um, and kept on trucking. Just the same story around the world. Yeah, we consulted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we've we've talked with you and we don't care so we're going to yeah, continue exactly. on basically so um, they okay. ignore all the subject matter experts and just keep on tracking because what happened um i think it was phil twyford actually the old minister of transport many moons ago um gave the mandate to mot to solve the drone problem that was it right so right. The, the briefing has solved the drone problem what's the drone problem <laughs> so they didn't they never did anything that was going to solve that problem <laughs> Um, yeah, Ugh. so expect if we get a change in government in October, this may change, but if we don't expect next year, the announcement of remote ID registration, all that sort of stuff coming. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that's a, a not so super duper positive thought to <clears throat> look forward to and, and think about, but I guess if we take the best advice from it and what, what would you say? for anybody literally globally worldwide is what what's our what's our best thing for everyone to be doing right now like just is it, is it just getting that stuff out there for hopefully the good press is it you know creating good content ourselves like kind of like myself in a way and and putting it out there to be like it's a hobby we love the hobbies i mean we've got uh here here in Wanaka we've, we've got a couple of friends and we're sort of you know thinking about putting together a like an fpv club and then hopefully sort of introducing people into that and creating just the just the knowledge that it's just a fun little community and yeah. it's it's nothing like we're not here to be freaking criminals you know like or anything like that we simply and just just for the public's eye to hopefully be able to see like the club as a positive place hey like you know it's just like going to a football uh you know club after school or something maybe their kids from school can be like going into a tiny little racing club you know like that to me yeah. sounds insanely awesome i wish that was like a thing i mean for me you know when i was in school holy crap racing drones that's insane like that's tech that's insane fun so i guess moving forward what what moving forward what is the the best things that we can do just exactly that outright okay yeah exactly that 
we need to change the public's perception of what drones are and what they do. It's not perverts and people stealing your shit. It's people enjoying flying. Um, that, that's the reality of it. Um, yeah, and it's getting over the ignorance. Um, just informing people and good drone stories, even at grassroots, make a massive difference because mm-hmm. suddenly someone says, I saw some drones that were pretty cool that weren't even perverts, <laughs> which just makes a massive difference. And then that story keeps going and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. That's pretty much all we can do. Um, yeah, it's, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be fast, but it's the reality of it. Um, we'll just have to stick with it and keep on keep on trucking through and basically hope and keep our fingers crossed that we've got some good outcomes on the other side of it and <laughs> enjoy yeah. the journey of going along. <laughs> I wish there was an easy fix, but there's not. It's about changing the public perception, which is never quick. Um, yeah. If anyone knows a good reporter who wants to talk the truth about drones and get in the mainstream media, that's the way to go. Um, yeah. There, there have been a few good drone stories out there, um, but they don't get the same sort of media attention, unfortunately. Mm, for sure, for sure. Oh, yeah, grassroots well, clubs, go racing, have fun. Yeah. Spread spread the positive vibes that come from the hobby and, and not just with FPV, also, you know, going out there and filming and stuff because at the end of the day not everyone wants to get into fpv and they you know just like going and well like yourself just going out and flying some model planes right you know you're not necessarily racing or anything or you might be but just going out to have some fun people see you out there they're like oh like i remember walking around parks and stuff and seeing like when i was way younger and seeing these model aircraft flying around and i'd be like you know with my dad i'd be like oh wow that thing's so cool. And, you know, you'd sit there and you just watch this plane flying around, like, you know, a little model aircraft, like just flying around. And it's like, yeah. wow, that's insane. And some of them had little motor, uh, little petrol, I think it might've been, I'm not entirely sure, maybe it's nitro, but little, you yeah. know, engines on them and like, you can hear them going around. It's like, it's the most insane stuff. So hopefully there's a point that we can get back to, to somewhere along that side of things. And, and yeah, I guess change the public perception slowly but surely and yeah so i I did want to ask too do you have anywhere that people can go and find you or that they can go and potentially support you know some of the things that you say because you do come at this from a i think a very reasonable point of view and a very you know just i'm gonna i'm gonna stick with the word reasonable so where can people go and find you you know like it's just it's just as reasonable you know like where, where can we go and find you and support you and whatnot the biggest ally, especially the FPV community has in New Zealand, is Model Flying New Zealand. Um, Model Flying New Zealand has an image of being grumpy, foggy old men flying in circles and uh, drinking coffee out of thermos flasks. And the reality is very different from that. Um, for instance, we've got uh, Shielded BB Loss in our 102 now. So support Model Flying New Zealand because the more support we get, the more things we can do. Um, so it's, I think it's modelflyingnewzealand.org.nz. Um, cool. Yeah, get amongst it. And, Setting up clubs, um, Model Flying New Zealand is the perfect venue to do that because it works as the, the mother organisation that can do the lobbying, can push government around, can talk to ministers. Um, and the more people we have behind us, the, the louder our voices. It's the reality of it. Um, and you, if you're a commercial UAV operator in New Zealand, UAVNZ is a fantastic lobby uh, group. Um, everyone is doing the best they can to, it's all volunteers, by the way, to improve the situation in New Zealand. It's the only real way we'll get change is for joining together and pushing the government around. <laughs> yeah. The wild, the wild realities of it all, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a pity that common sense and just listening to people doesn't work, but that's the reality of it. That works, unfortunately. 
Understood. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on today, Chris. Really do appreciate your time. And yeah, right. let's hope yeah. for a let's hope for a good future. <laughs> <laughs>